Hello ladies and gents and welcome to season 2 episode 13 of the Homesteading UK podcast. I'm Alan, I'm here with my mate Mike. How you doing mate? Alright mate. Yeah, you good? <laughs> what a weird afternoon we've had. We've had it, mate, mate. You've brought me to some nice places in your time. Mate, I, this, you, it's basically a store cupboard. I feel we're in a squat, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, so between a squat and a store cupboard. <laughs> never mind, never mind. I'll bring you up. I'll get, I'll set you up because I do like to set the scene. Yeah, <laughs> go on, go on. Uh, you know, you know, if you went to somewhere where someone had been doing a house clearance, yeah, but it it wasn't the house; it was where they stored the stuff they got from the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, where yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. But it's all for the sake of the listeners because we're going for good acoustics. We, we could have been are. in a nice, we could have been in a really nice, nice little room. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, it was a bit yeah. tinny in there. So, yeah. so we've come to somewhere. Let's just say there's lots of soft furniture. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> to absorb the sound. <laughs> But still, it's nice to be back speaking to you, mate. It's not been that long since we recorded the last one. That's less than two weeks, which is pretty good. I know that's you good. like a, I know you like a, t- a fortnightly term. I do. I think people people appreciate that if we can try and be as regular as possible, you know. So um, yeah, it's nice, but nice to be speaking to you anyway. So um, the prune, we'll the prunes effect. Yes, keep yeah. regular as possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, uh, people might even hear delicate rustlings of wildlife. That's <laughs> what. <laughs> In here, I'm keeping everything drawn tightly about. Yeah, you. I would. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got your bicycle clips on your trousers, right, mate? The dog will take it. The dog will take them. Mm. If there's anything in here, that's it, mate. Yeah, that's no. all good. It's all good. He's with us today. So, um, we were actually planning to meet up and do the honey harvesting, but in my lack of organisation, I'm not sure where everything is. So we we'll have to do it another day. It's like the roles have reversed. It is normally me who's running it around with normal, nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you so, did bring in the fermenting bin, and that's what I'm very grateful. Yeah, I got that, and I got I had a load of jars as well. So we unexpectedly have got a small honey harvest, haven't we? So we're gonna. I tell you what, well, that. and it's just right because I'm just at the end. I've, I've probably got about if I if I pulled it all together, probably got about ten jars. Yeah. Knocking about of honey, which is between one and two years old, but yeah. Just to get just to get a super each, mm. that probably just mean that I'm not looking for it. Yeah. You know, um, which is going to be lovely and. Given the state of affairs at the beginning of the season, we'd have took one jar, mate. Yeah, yeah. We'd have took one colony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, something that it does shine a light on really is that things change all the time, don't they? You know, even if you've got plans to do one thing, something else takes takes precedent or comes about, or you know, you have to roll with the punches a bit of being a homesteader, don't you? Yeah, you have to be adaptable, certainly, and flexible, and just actually, yeah, this is what we've got time to do, this is what needs to be done, this Absolutely. is the urgent sort of thing we've got to deal with, and that is, that's one of the things I've enjoyed, actually, is that recently, that kind of mad rush yeah. that is the summer has started to slow down a little bit. Very much so. I noticed it this morning when I went to work. Yeah, and so. there's, there's some jobs now that I can look at and go, well, I need to do it at some point between now and March. As opposed to, I've got to do that this weekend or, the end of today. or it'll be too late, yeah. Well, it's not that it'd be too late, it's just something else there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's the reality of it, but um, so, well, at least I can see this the, the breeze in this nice birch sapling out the window. Yeah. And that is beautiful. Like, it is so lovely, it? We have got a bit of late sun today and it is this little bit of time that, that we get, isn't it? You know, it, it's chilly, don't get me wrong. But the light has got a lovely quality at this time of year in the UK. It has, and what I've enjoyed is that the sun, when it's on your back, is really warm still. Yeah. Although the air's a bit cooler than it yeah. has been, the sun's warm. Yeah. And in fact, I don't know about you, but I went out walking the dog this morning, and I put my coat on and my, my woolly hat, and I've got my head torch because the sun wasn't up yet, and I was like, I was expecting it to be cold. Yeah. And I got out there, and I was like, within about four minutes, Sweating. coat was off, yeah. woolly hat was off, I was walking in my t-shirt and my yeah. jeans, because yeah. it was about 15 degrees. <coughs> um, yeah. 
But the um, so, so, certainly the length of day is noticeably shorter now. It's yeah. dark when I get up in the morning and um, yeah. you know take the dogs out and stuff like that. Um, but it, there is there is that that kind of nice quality of of, of warmth which is still still there which means that you know some of the things that you're putting in now sewing now mm. have still got that opportunity to put on mm. some growth yeah and you know more more than more than ever now things aren't really going to grow in from start to finish they're going to they're going to grow a little bit and stop yeah and then and then and then you're going to be harvesting them next year in march or april mm. but um but then the flip side of that is that as it gets cooler, and start to think about those sowings and plantings for garlic and broad beans. It won't be long before I'm putting them in. No. Outside, and I'll do some inside the tunnel as well. But yeah, it's a, you know there's that definite change. Definite, you know, mm. when we recorded even a fortnight ago, summer was still hanging on, but I, I think it's yeah we're, we're past that now. And you know I'm doing more clearing away of old crops and. Yeah, you know, my last tomatoes will be coming in tomorrow, and things like that. You know, yeah. you really do notice the foliage on all of the pumpkins has died right back mm. now, and, and the tomato foliage outside's died back. And mm. you know, there's I'm looking at the beans that I've got left standing, and I won't eat them now. So I'll be looking to do a, a, a strip the whole lot and take that round to my friend Funny with the pigs. Done the same, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there might be some there that I could use for seed. Yeah, but. You know, the ones which have gone brown on the outside and stuff like that, but they haven't fully developed on the inside. We'll, we'll, we'll sort of make an event out of that and we'll put all of that produce into some crates and take it over because the pigs will go mad for all mm. of those things. So nothing will go to waste, but it's different, you know. It certainly mm. feels different. And, um, you know, looking around at what, what's growing and what what's harvesting now, I'm really thankful I've got a couple of full freezers, I can tell you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because, because I think there's a... Uh, tendency in summer when there's so many things and there's a glut and it's like you, you know it's hard to use things up in it yeah. to be honest yeah but now you're looking and thinking well i've got cabbage i've got chard yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've got brussels sprouts and you know but if i want some green beans now i can't go and pick them no no and i've been going up the allotment i've slowed down to going once a week yeah and i've been the last two weekends and rather than going and bringing back a full truck I've been going and bringing back a few bits and pieces. Mm. Uh, in fact, this weekend, I didn't bring an awful lot back. A couple of leeks and a couple of courgettes, and that was about it. Mm. And then, obviously, the massive crate of, of tomatoes that I put a picture up of, mm. um, because I'd done the, the last harvest of those. So it has slowed right down in terms of what's available fresh at the allotment. And I've got that little gap now that I said to you about that I was yeah. going to have. The leeks are sort of, they're ready to use. Yeah. Some of them, some and of them. And they probably ones. won't get a lot bigger. I don't think so. No, no, it's just about their ability to stand, which is what, makes them such a useful crop yeah. Like, yeah you know i've had a bit of rust on some of the leaks oh, but, loads work, of rust, yeah. but not too bad no. you know one lot outside i mean my my thing now is that there's lots there but i'm aware that there won't be anything new there now mm. there's always that balance isn't it mm. you know and, and where and we're in between this having the potential to grow for you know selling and growing for just the families who are involved in the self-sufficiency project at mm. the moment and already I'm looking and counting up and divvying up and thinking mm. right well that'll be that and that'll be that and yeah and I think that the we I lost one lot of cabbages um because of cabbage aphid yeah gray aphid or whatever you want to call it 
and that's going to there's probably about 30 cabbages there and so I will probably have that gap in mm. cabbages because mm. I've got January King funnily enough which are ready now yeah um, and then I would have had the Savoys which I lost mm. and then after that I've got Wheeler's Imperial mm. and Spring Hero and all that so they're coming along but I'm going to have a gap I know I'm going to yeah. have a gap but it's alright mate because I've got about 10 rows of chard <laughs> oh good <laughs> you'll be fed up a chard before long it's such a good crop man. yeah I know I know you you like it more than I do I have to say well, I it's know, useful I, I go off it mm. but then when I really want it and it's there yeah. I'm so grateful <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what I have got and I've, I've like made up because it is such a it's nails Cavallo Nero yeah. which I sowed I forget even when back in the spring yeah. probably and I've got, and I've got that it's stood all through the summer all through that heat yeah. it's now still st- still standing yeah. there and it'll keep going still right? harvesting it and it, eventually it'll bolt but it, you know it's it won't bolt I shouldn't imagine it'll bolt year. now till next year no so I've got about three rows of that in, of the Cavallo Nero, the Toscana, the yeah, Nero yeah. de Toscana. Yeah. And um, I know that I'll be using that more mm. than before. Yeah. Um, and it might be that I can combine the two, you mm. know, chopped chard and kale together. Because chard's actually quite sweet. It's got an earthy yeah. sweet flavour, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I, I, like, I tend to use them in, interchangeably in lots of yeah. recipes because they, they, you would cook them similarly. I, just, yeah. you know, I don't think the child needs too much cooking myself. No, no, not I'm at all. I'm literally just wilting down in the way you go. So yeah. in the same way as you would the spinach or the chard, Cavalonera is the same. So um, so for me, they're completely interchangeable. And actually, my wife and I both really enjoy eating it. The kids, not so much. But it's a great cabbage substitute this time of year. But it yeah. also works really well in pastas. It does. Yeah. And it in does. casseroles, and it's so versatile. So. And I'm growing chard, ruby chard, and Swiss chard. Yep. And I think there's even a yellow one. Yeah, there's a yellow one. Mm. I think sometimes it's sold under the name Bright Lights. That's it, yeah, but, I get that. But That's you get all three in yeah, that, whereas I've got rows of each one. Okay, right. And, um, and the, white, the white chard, or Swiss chard, it's sometimes mm. called, that puts up on a much thicker stem yes um and you know you're getting on to like a good crunchy vegetable well you talked before about it being almost two separate vegetables haven't we? You yeah know, the leaf and so. the stem are two different yeah. things you cook them differently so i i know that i'm going to do some of that even at home mm. because I, you know there's not a lot that i can put in my beds at home over mm. the winter but might as well have it than not mm. you know and yeah. and um I'll, I'll be grateful for it so that's going to be going in and i'm hoping to be cropping that but um i've got a very big stand of Autumn King carrots outside. Yeah. And, you know, I'm debating. I don't want to lift them and put them in trays, so I'll probably just cover them with a fleece. Mm. I think I might try that, or the straw trick. I might try mm. that. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to see how they how they go. If I start to get evidence of cabbage root fly, though, I mm. might dig them all up and bring yeah. them all in. But, I mean, that's, it'd be quite a considerable thing to do because yeah. I, I haven't even got the boxes to store them in. No. Never mind the peat or sand to store them into. (laughs) You know, you're talking a lot of crop there. But if it's to save a crop, you know, we might even pull a few rows and chop them and freeze them, do a couple of processing things and and have to have them frozen. But I haven't had a lot of um, carrot root fly issues there and I did, and I haven't thinned them. Mm. So I haven't haven't done that big release of scent. But the pumpkins are out and the squashes are out Mm. and I've had quite a good return on those. Obviously, the bore lot of beans are finishing now, but there's still some coming. But I don't think they're going to do a lot more. You know, they kind of no, the leaves have gone off. And I've taken there. most of mine off. Apart the runners, from a few man, I've still got a few runners coming. Have you? Flowers, the yeah. lot, unbelievable. Yeah. Those runner beans have been. 
Yeah, my runners went some time ago, and I've got a few like like you with the climbing dwarf the the, pen, the, um, the climbing pencil potted beans, yeah. French beans that I've just left now. Really, I had a few off yesterday that were small. Yeah, we've eaten those. Yeah, um, but the rest now are quite chunky, and I'll leave them for seed. Yeah, that's what leave we'll them to dry on the, on the vine. Um, <clears throat> so it, yeah, but the tomatoes indoors are still okay. Mm. Uh, the chilies yeah, indoors too, yeah. are still all right. My outdoor chilies are still doing okay at the moment. Right. But then that's the, the temperature difference. You know, like yeah. I said, 15 degrees at home this morning. It's up past yeah. six this morning. You know, it's yeah, mad. It's not, it's not that where I am now. No. But it won't be tomorrow morning, but it is, it's still not going to be anywhere near freezing. And there's no sign of it in the forecast no. yet. And we're well into October now. No, that's good. So, um, I've probably got, I've got some very small courgettes coming on the indoor plants. But I'm, I, you know, I'm talking the amount on one hand, probably I'll get back now. Before mine are still going outdoors. Grub them out. Yeah, and mine are not. Yeah. Mine have, mine have died outside. Right. You know, they've got hit by a frost. Right, okay. So I had a few that struggled to get going. Yeah. Because of the, I think probably because of the heat. But now they're really producing quite well. Mm. You know, they're not like, not in the, the prolific heights of the midsummer. No, that's interesting, isn't it? But they're still producing, like, I, I took four decent sized courgettes yesterday off my four plants. So the temperature where I am must be much lower then. Yes. Yeah. Um, and. Well, you must have had an air frost that, that morning when it got it's killed cold. everything. It's killed yeah. everything. All the plants yeah. are gone. And I would like to say, you know, I know that t- tonight's going to be cold again, but mm. it won't be too bad, but I think it will be pretty cold. So those tomatoes will have to come in tomorrow and yeah. I'll be cutting bits out of them by tomorrow. You right, know, like yeah. bit, the shoulders are a bit brown and yeah. bits like that. So yeah. I'll probably dry some and then freeze, bag and yeah. freeze all the rest. Interesting of that. Because at, at home, although I brought mine in, it was because it was getting wet that mm. I brought mine in. And I was worried about the potential for them starting to get a bit, well, the foliage is all bit rotten and all that, and making. My, whereas mine's still, some the plants are still standing. Some of them, yeah. the ones that still look like they had some smaller fruit, and I've just left. Yeah. Because if I don't get frost for another couple of weeks, which is yeah, very possible, very they'll likely, they'll ripen or ripen. I might get the odd one extra one ripening. So I've just left a few plants. And, in. and you know, just to to, to, <coughs> to to clarify that, you know, Alan and I are probably what maybe fifteen mile from from the farm to your house, so. It's, we're not talking about a long no. way, are we? Seventeen is what it is. I've clocked it a couple right. of times. Right, so yeah, seventeen. Yeah. So it's um, it's just those regional variations in temperature due to landscape and topography, really, yep. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I've got a massive blanket in the form of the English Channel just yeah. down the road. That's the bottom line. And the elevation, yeah. I, I would imagine. So, yeah. um, so that's you know something that you you become more and more aware of, isn't it? Is that you you realise that where your location is has got its own microclimate, and mm-hmm. yeah, it might say on the weather forecast. It's going to be this, that, or the other, but you know there could be quite a heavy fluctuation between my, where you live and somewhere else. There's well, even in the same area. And the consequence of that is that I'm still hopeful that there's a possibility I'll get a small crop off those very late dwarf uh, dwarf beans I've sowed. Yeah. I've had a, I've had a good crop off the purple teepee that I did. That's good. And I've now they've now come out. Um, but I've got another another sowing that I did, another flush that I did, and there's only a few plants. But I think there's a reasonable chance I yeah, get some off them. Yeah, you get a few, mate. You get yeah. a few and. You, oh. And then you do something special with me. It almost goes full circle, doesn't it? And they're almost like your first ones. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, you I know. won't have any now for a couple of weeks at the minimum, yeah. probably. And if I get any at all, it'll be a week or two from now. And it'll be a handful, maybe. But it's just for the sake of sticking a few seeds in the ground when I was in there doing a bit I of weeding. It, you know Why me, not? I'm all over that. <clears throat> but uh, there, is, there is, isn't there, though, that kind of... That feeling of wanting to get things before they finish. And I know, for me... You know, I'd put off and put off making my courgette pickle. Oh, yeah, you did, yeah. yeah. And I, and then I'm thinking, if I don't make it, I'm not going to have it. No, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I went around 
at the end of last week, I think it was the end of last week, and I picked the courgettes that um, I needed to make a batch of that. Yeah. And I didn't have quite enough, so the recipe I've got is interchangeable with cucumbers. Yeah. And so I got the two and a half pound or whatever it was, and oh, do you know what? I made that, and I'm so glad I made yeah. it because I really like that. Yeah. That yeah. Um, that ch- it's, it's just a pickle. It's really simple, but please try it. I put the recipe up, and a lot of people have looked at it mm. um, on the Facebook page, and um, it's so good with cheese. I can't yeah. tell you yeah, how good yeah. it is with cheese and bread. But I'm quite keen. I don't think I've ever had it on burgers. And I think it oh, would be... Oh, I have them on burgers. That's yeah. one of the things I really enjoy them for. I bet it's going to be yeah. spot on. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, it's just like your pickled gherkins, yeah. basically. Yeah, basically, basically is what, what it is. is. Yeah. So they're different shape because of whatever courgettes you've got. But they're fantastic. No, I'm so fantastic. looking forward to that. And that was given to me, that recipe, by an old nursery woman who used to run the nursery down right. on the road. Yeah. And I was just in there one day and we were talking about courgette club and she literally just wrote it down. Mm. And that's why the handwriting is appalling. Wasn't no. it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. my handwriting. Oh, I love that. And, um, you know, people always say, what does it mean? They can't read it because, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's such an easy recipe to follow. It's even worth buying courgettes for it. Oh, without a doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. didn't have any, yeah. it's even worth buying the courgettes yeah. for to make Especially because the courgettes at the minute aren't going to be that expensive. No, and I mean, you can probably still find some, can't you? Yeah. Floating around cheap. Oh, or, oh or, yeah. well, I've, I've still got a few. And I've, in fact, I left some on the plants that were, you know, smallish, yeah. that under other circumstances I might have harvested. But with the forecast for weather this yeah. week, it's going to get yeah. cooler. Yeah. It's going to slow them down, but it's not going to kill them off no. just yet. Whereas mine would, and I've got well, I've got two, one or two still left, and the Romanesco seem to be the ones that are surviving more than the others. Okay, all, uh, all green bush for me. Yeah, all yeah, green bush. They're yeah. the ones that are doing really well at the minute. They get nice, be quite some quite nice fat courgettes coming out of those. Spot on. Yeah. So yeah. I've done that. Yeah. So and I mean we we can push straight into that. I, I have been doing a bit of preserving, which is not my strong forte mm. normally, mm. but I always like to try and make crab apple jelly if I can. Yeah. And that local tree has been superb this year. So me and my son went up and picked all of the crab apples that were available that day. I mean, there was another whole load of them the next day. There's so many off that tree. Um, And I made one preserving pan's worth, and I will try and do one more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I probably got about six or seven jars out of it. And so if I do one more, that's one a month. That's, yeah. that's kind of like the process I like to be I have to say that is a recipe that if you've never tried it you should try it it's so good so good it's again such a versatile ingredient I like it just on a bit of roast chicken in place of like where well, you might have a I cranberry it, sauce had it last night does like a similar that. effort to that and then today I had chicken mayo and crab apple jelly sandwiches a bit of stuffing bit of stuff, tell me a bit of stuffing oh, in there oh stuff. mate uh, banging <laughs> absolutely <laughs> banging yeah. I like it with pork yeah. obviously yeah. With yeah. it works, works well with pork but also, if you put some into some gravy, just stir it into your garden. You've talked always, about it before. Amazing. Always. always Amazing. Stews. Yeah. Everything. Um, and I have to say, it's pretty good on toast. Oh, but yeah, I didn't even thought of that. Just, yeah. just good yeah. old-fashioned, yeah. like a jam, yeah. you know. Uh, but I will make some more. Um, and I've got plenty there. So if you want some, mate, I mm. have got... I think oh, I've probably got about as much as I'm going to use because I'm pretty much the only person in my house that eats that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the yeah. other thing I've... I've made before is like apple jam. Mm. So they call it cheese, don't they? Yeah. So I might have, I haven't done that for a few years, so I might have a go at that. I wonder, I wonder if, if it would make, because I made apple um, fruit roll ups, like fruit leather. Oh, yeah. What, it, crab apple 
I wonder if that would work. Oh, it might be a bit. Might be a bit. Might have to bang some sugar on it or honey oh, or glaze them up with something. Plenty of apples, so yeah. Was, yeah, but maybe not. But yeah, they probably. Would if if we were short of apples, I reckon. I wonder if you could make that with that. I don't know. Well, I'll Just probably see. be making wine out of them if well, nothing yeah. else happens. Yeah, yeah. crab apple yeah. wine, I'm sure, will be all right. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I've done. I've done some of that crab apple jelly and lots of the. Um, the courgette pickle, mm. and then the other thing I've been making is um, Irish style pork bacon ribs. Oh which yeah, is, which has been really. Come on, really tell us about great. that because I've seen. The, oh little... mate, that is that is like trip <coughs> down memory lane. That yeah. is because I just remember that you know we used to go back over to Ireland where my mum's from all the time, and 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 they and it's like this sort of like rose tinted vision of yeah. of me nan bringing out this big giant pot full mm. of. Bacon ribs, mm. and they're not pork; they're bacon ribs, mm. and that's what you have to get your head round. Mm. <coughs> and you can buy them smoked or unsmoked in Ireland, right? And they're still very popular in Ireland. Now I don't know whether they are a poor person kind of dish. I would imagine they are mm. cut, mm. but mate, they are just absolutely fabulous. And they used to just get served in a big tureen, and you'd pull out two or three, pull them apart, and just eat them with your hands. Mm. And then you'd have your cabbage and your potatoes with mm. butter. Oh, mate, it was such a really simple food that, you know, like, always my favourite when I went mm. to my nan's. And then, you know, as I got older, we didn't go to Ireland as much. And so when I went, I'd ask one of my aunts to do it or mm. what have you. But I haven't had it for a long time. And and I and I remember trying to find a butcher. I went into my local butcher and asked him if he'd heard of it. Mm. And, and, and it just wasn't a cut mm. that was utilised in, in the UK. Mm. Um, funnily enough, having done some... Research places like Liverpool, where there's a high Big Irish, Irish community, yeah, yeah. Yep. you can get the cut there yeah, in okay. specific butchers and places like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't really do any, but then one of the chaps who is associated with the farm and is ra- raising his own pigs, when he sent his pigs to slaughter, I asked him if he would ask the butchers, the abattoir workers who then cut, mm. if they would cut that or what it was. And so basically, it is a the, the, the belly of the pig, which is attached to some ribs at the bottom, mm. they, they, they attach that bit of rib to the belly to sell it to yes, s- yeah. some more money. If, yeah. if you, to, to, you know, yeah. Because you can sell it by weight, obviously. Yeah. So it's kind of what's called, I think some people call it the baby back, yeah. or it's like the middle section. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, it, it literally is just like a long section of ribs. And maybe they're about eight, nine inches yeah. long. Um and you, you know, and so basically, they, they normally just get thrown away. I can't believe that because they're magnificent eating. Yeah, because the Chinese restaurants will still use the belly on ones. Right. Okay. That that thicker end. Yeah. Yeah. So they have that end. So when you go to the Chinese restaurant or takeaway and you mm. have barbecue ribs or whatever, that's it's that bit because yeah. it's got more meat on it. Yeah. But mate, they are if they if they're something which is just thrown away, and <laughs> I could turn that into a ring. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's exactly what you're all about, isn't it? That could oh, get out to work. So I found a recipe online for a guy who was doing exactly the same thing, wanted mm-hmm. to try and make them himself. He was a UK resident, and it it, it is basically your salt and sugar, mm. um, just a regular bacon, bacon cure. cure. Yeah, I like smoked bacon, and I I can't smoke at home. You know, the, mm. I haven't got a smoker. Where, so I'll just put some smoked paprika in. I don't know whether it's going to work or not. No. It's going to do a couple of things, though. You know, when you home cure, 
don't get that colour sometimes. Yeah. Well, the pap- the paprika's already noticeably done something about that. Yeah. And if it lends a little bit of a smoky flavour, I'm all right with that yeah. as well. I don't know whether it'll work. <coughs> well, I can't see why it wouldn't work. But if it doesn't work, <coughs> you just have to get hold of a smoker or build a smoker. Well, or... you know, there was a smoke. The chap's got a smoker where yeah. I got the pork from and all that. Yeah. But I just thought I'm going to give this a go. And he gave me. I think there's about four, or five, four ribs in there. Yeah. And he's got another four in the freezer. So I'm going to try it out. It'll be due out tomorrow. Yeah. It'll have had a week in the brine. Oh, it's not brine in no, the cure. Dry cure isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I've read that you can do it between five and ten days. So I think you know I'm going to pitch it for a week. And then I'll probably will cook it tomorrow night with potatoes and cabbage. Oh. And I've got a January King cabbage in that polytunnel. Wow. Just got my it's name got, on it. Yeah. It's massive as well. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So I'll probably need about half a pound of butter on it. And it's going to get absolutely <laughs> demolished, mate. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing the pictures of that. That's going to be epic. The only thing I would love is for my home brew stout to be ready. So that I could sit down. I can't be far off. Oh no, it's a long way is away. It? Yeah. So I'll be buying a bottle of Guinness original. Don't okay, you worry. Right, I'll be having right. a proper. <laughs> but if it works, and it's a cup that he won't use much himself, mm. it might be that, it might be a cup that I can cure and then give him some yep. to have with his family. Yeah. Um, and it goes, the only way to describe it, if you've ever cooked, you know, like a pork hock, yeah. you get that sticky gelatinous. Yeah. Um, kind of like watery mess on mm-hmm. it, which is obviously the gelatin. Yeah. But the meat is so tender. Mm. You know, you do it for a couple of hours probably. Mm. I have read you can slow cook it, but I think that'd be a travesty for the first ones I'll be doing it. Yeah. I've already been on to the old relations in Ireland, mate, getting the getting the recipes and all yeah. of that. So it would just be probably about two hour and a half, two hours in in a, in a stock, and mm-hmm. then that water then you use to cook your cabbage and potatoes. Okay, so. Yeah. It's going to be salty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I shall, but I shall rinse the ribs off mm. tonight or tomorrow and then you leave them for a couple of days uncovered in your fridge okay. to, to kind of like set, to yeah. dry out properly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can rinse a lot of the salt out if you want. You know, if it's too salty, you can mm. just give them a little soak if you wanted mm. to and stuff like that. So mm. it's going to be a bit trial and error, but I went down the 30 grams of salt per kilo of meat, mm-hmm. which is kind of like roughly what we've done before yeah um but a lot of it's not meat that's what I'm, yeah i don't yeah, know yeah. it's a lot of bone yeah. so i don't quite know how it's going to work out and they're quite thin aren't they you know it's not it, not much meat in between it's, the ribs it's not going to penetrate very far no, is it the i'm, cure, I'm so. assuming that, <clears throat> i'm trying to imagine the cut that you've got i'm assuming what you've got is effectively like a, a baby back rib as you described but there's not much meat on the outside. It's the, in between in the between, bones. Yeah, where the between. meat is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. All so you probably don't need much cure on it, to be no, honest. I'd with say you. that. I'd yeah. say six to seven days yeah. be enough. Not and then if it's enough. and then if it's too if it's too much, I'll do five days. Yeah. So we'll see how we go. But mm. um, you know, what is the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to cook it. And it's going to be really, really salty, and then I'll take it's it all it. off the bone, shred it, and make the most banginess pulled pork you've ever had where is that where is that can you imagine it with yeah. with my crab apple jelly yeah. oh sounds good <laughs> sounds good sounds really Paul, good pulled pork brioche crab apple jelly if <coughs> I do thank you very much so yeah that, oh. see now you've got me I've got it. back on the bacon thing now and now this then that. led me to that yeah so then this led me to thinking well, why I haven't done any bacon I've done any for a while and so um, I asked the guy you know, have you got any belly? Have you got any loin? Mm. And he said, I've got two pigs going next week. So mm. I'm going to ask him for some back or some loin mm. or some belly. 
and then if you want I'm sure we'd give us a piece between us and mm. we'll do some and, and he's got this smoker so maybe we could try it but I was just looking at it I thought you know I'm going to give it a go and, and um, he's pick, I've picked up a bacon slicer as well which Have I you? think yeah which oh, I think, that's worth knowing. Which would be, try it out. Because that would make a difference to me. Well, I had it done at, at work. So I asked the, the chef that works in the kitchen. Yeah. And he's not young worker anymore, unfortunately. But the last batch I made, yeah. he sliced for me. It made a difference? Made a huge difference. Yeah. Made it go further. Yeah. Um, but also, because I had, I had skin on, I had skin on pork, uh, back. Yeah. Like loin, skin on yeah. loin it was. Um, and so that and then went all crispy. Yeah, you know, that nice, nice bit of um, yeah. It's only, it's that, only yeah. a little um, uh, domestic one, mm. but he bought it round, and I think that it'll be perfect for doing the bacon mm. if you can get it dry. Like you know, you have to get it dry. Yeah, I think it'll be absolutely fine. Mm. So I'm well up for that. If you are, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, I'm not that worried about waiting for him. If you want to, no. if you want to get some, right, give it a go. Just pop and get down the butcher. The one thing I would like to know about <coughs> making bacon <coughs> like that is. How, is it better if it's really fresh? Because I often see loin, mm. pork loin especially, in my local supermarket, really reasonably priced. Yes. I don't know how long it's been. I've there. done it from supermarket. Yeah. Before. Yeah. And, all and right? it works fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know, I know that the provenance of the pork, I can't tell you where it's from yeah. and it's not going to yeah. be the greatest. No. But from a cost-effective point of view, turning a piece of pork which might have cost me. 370 380 into a kilo of bacon. I think I got a kilo of pork belly, skin on pork belly, and I did it with that. Yeah, just from the supermarket, and it costs, yeah, probably about four quid. Yeah, um, again, it's not as good as the quality of the stuff yeah. I from the butchers, there's absolutely no doubt about that. But it made perfectly good bacon. Yeah, I might have to have a look um, on the way home, you know. I might drive home past that. Just, just just going going making me hungry. Yeah. I haven't had dinner yet, <laughs> nor have I. <laughs> right, so. Me and Al, before this podcast goes even live, I bet there's two pictures of a bit of, <laughs> bit of up. Oh, I don't know. I might be doing it tonight. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to this week. Gonna gonna I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go home. And on the way home, I'm going to get a pork loin from Sainsbury's and check the reduce set and see if they've got anything in there. I, 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 would, I would suggest you're better to do it with a longer use-by date. Yeah. I think if you get something that's like on the reduce set, yeah, it's going out of date. It, the, the problem you've got is you need to get enough cure in there to stop it going off before yeah. it goes off. Yeah. That's the, that's the, the race. Yeah, well, even if I buy it. And for people who are out there listening, pork is by far now the cheapest meat yes. in the UK. Yeah. By far. Yeah. Because it's not very fashionable. It's also you know? because of the way it's farmed. It's one of the few now that's really, it's not been hit by the factory farming, like, protest, if you Hasn't like. Hasn't it? No. Really, I don't think I don't so. Think relatively, pork welfare's that good in this country. I don't, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. If, you, if you look, if you really look into the really intensive, like the cheapest yeah. cheap stuff you can get, yeah, it's really not good. No. Right. Well, I'm going to see what it's like. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a go. Well, I'm definitely going to get a piece now on the way home. I've decided, and then I think what I'll do is I'll go home. I'll get my bacon ribs out, wash mm. them off, and get them drying. Yeah. And then I'll get another piece on the go. Have a, have a look for the the higher welfare outdoor bread yeah. stuff in the yeah. supermarket. That's a bit yeah. better. But they're, they're really cheap, like the Blue Stripe Tesco stuff is, yeah, I've seen how they do that and it's not fun. No. So it's, no, not, it's well, not pretty. But it's, yeah, it's the, it's the pig equivalent of, of the old battery hens in yeah. the cage. Well, I it? certainly don't want to be advocating that. No. So, no. so I'll so, have a look and see if I can get a nice piece of pork for that. And yeah. I mean, 
It would be. I'd, I'd be interested to go and see how much my butcher would want for a piece. Because you bought some nice stuff once from your local butcher, and it was really good as well. I've had, wasn't I've it? had this butcher just down the road from work. I quite often stop in there. I wouldn't say it was cheap in there, but um, I've had it. I think six fifty for a kilo in there, which is you know it's probably half as much again as it would be in the supermarket. Mm. But you know you like to think that's slightly better quality and so better, better you know provenance. Um, and I've also paid a lot more than that for it as well. I paid £13 a kilo at one point, which was, that's a bit steep. Was that your local one? That was the butchers here, yeah. That was for the loin. Right. So what I'd noticed was that the loin was cheaper than the the back the back pork, you know, the belly pork rather. Yeah. Um, and pork then, belly's really popular cut. It is, because it's really nice when you slow cook it. When you know how to cook it, it's lovely, mm. isn't it? Um, so that, the... One of I forget which way around it was, but one of them went up in price. Oh, it was the loin that went up in price massively, and I wonder if I'd gotten a bit that was meant for a roasting joint because I wasn't clear about what I was going to use it for. Yeah, but roasting. Yeah, but roasting joints. That, that's the cheap cut, isn't it? Yes, but it's they, it's all boned and rolled and everything else. Oh, and right. I think that's why they were charging a bit more for it. Right. Okay. Whereas if I'd have just said, look, I just want a whole loin, please. Yeah. You know, they're probably going to charge me like thirty quid for that. Yeah. And then when you cut it up into like, well, there's four kilos worth of it, all of a sudden yeah. it's not that expensive. No. Um, <clears throat> well, I'll chat to the chap who does the pork as well. Yeah. And, you know, it might be that we can do a bit of both. The only thing I know about his pigs is that they're really good quality, yeah. really well kept, well and they're heritage breeds. Yeah, so. bacon. I've had some of his bacon. Right. It's lovely, isn't it? Oh yeah, different. Yeah, but he doesn't do it. No, no, he, it's, it's all done for so. Yeah. You know, I know that it could be something that he would be interested in, us developing yeah. for him even. Yeah. You know, and yeah. using his little smoker. Well, you could easily hang a loin in that, a whole mm. one, smoke that. But anyway, yeah. Tonight, I should be just doing same from the supermarket. <laughs> Talk myself <laughs> into the supermarket. It. And tomorrow night you'll be smashing that those ribs you've made. Oh, yeah, man. I look forward to seeing that. Oh. So I've been, I got back on the cheese train. Yeah. So I've, I've got another. So another we've been cheese preserving, stuff. haven't we? Well, it's just that time of year, isn't it? And and I was just looking at it going, well, if I'm going to do cheese for Christmas, I'd better get my act together. Right. Um, so I went out and bought a load of milk and got that on the go. And that's coming up well, actually. I've got Lovely. that. It's pressed and it's in the fridge and it's so far so good. Um, there's going to be two good cheeses there and then one not so good one, I think, by the looks of it. Mm. It's just something about, I can't, mm. problem I'm having, and I don't know if there's anybody out there that's listening that does a lot of cheese making, but the problem I'm having is I'm having to buy um, supermarket milk and I'm using goat's milk Yeah. and the curds when you when you look at the videos the curds come up all fat and like big squares like tofu almost Yeah. and they're really good and then what I'm getting is it starts out like that and as soon as I start cooking it down the curds are really small oh really? yeah so what's that all about? it's then? almost I don't know it's, I think it might be because it's been homogenised it might be because it's been pasteurised I'm not exactly sure um, but it's certainly not it's not raw milk and that's the difference I think most of the videos when you watch it on YouTube people are using their own goat's milk their own raw goat's milk mm. I think that's probably the difference somewhere on the way the way it's processed um, but I've produced some really good cheese despite that you know that, that last the sort of hard cheese that I made before like the pecorino or the no the, the one that was in between the, yeah. almost, almost like a, I don't know my cheeses because I don't eat them so mm. but it's quite crumbly like a, I imagine like a Wednesday day yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that was, Philly, like a Philly, mate. So it wasn't what I was intending to make, yeah. um, but that's how it came out, and it was delicious, absolutely delicious. So I'm no problem with that. I happily make that all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I think that it is going to happen. There will be a Jersey cow at my work. Yeah. Which work, and I'm going to wait until I go down the dairy route till I've got access yeah. to some good yeah, quality yeah. fresh milk, and I think that that will be a whole avenue to open then. 
I'm going to wait. Well, I think that's the difference maker. I really do. The quality of the milk is, yeah. is... and it should be. You know, it should be, shouldn't it? Mm. But it would be lovely to just. You know, I re I realise that that's a big gap in my production, mm. but I'm I'm patient enough to wait until yeah. I can do it rather than. For me, I don't think the time and the effort that you put into it, I think, you know, that's my meat time, really. No, that's when I'm, like, yeah. doing venison or whatever. Yeah. And, and so, at the moment, I'm content to to wait out, wait it out. It is, it is a time-consuming process, it has to be said. And that, it's not cheap, either. I know. It's cost me, cost me a fortune to make those cheeses. But I don't think it costs me more to make those cheeses than it would be to buy the equivalent. Oh, Without shadow of a doubt, and I yeah. mean, just the cost of butter oh, has gone through yeah. the roof in the yeah. UK. It's doubled nearly, I'd mm. say, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely crazy. And and I know that everyone's feeling the pinch with regards to, um, you know, the cost of groceries and things like mm. that. But I think the dairy, I mean, you know, if you're buying bottom shelf cheddar and stuff like that, which is probably EU made product of mm. more than one country, you know, mm. mature cheddar, it, it's... You know, it's something which I think we probably still eat a bit too much of in the country, in our mm. country. I think cheese is a luxury item, mm -hmm. but it's not really most people's life, is it? It's just no. cheese on everything, isn't it? And it's not, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the it's the processed, manufactured, you know, the cheap milk they could get. They chuck together and just knock yeah. out a, a cheese yeah. that looks Absolutely. like a cheese, tastes like a cheese. There's a big difference, isn't Yeah, there's a big difference between like your everyday block of medium cheddar yeah. than a real quality artisan mm. handmade small batch mm. you know local mm. cheese and I, what I didn't realise is how many of those there actually are in your locality mate there's Lewis Market it's got loads it doesn't take long to find them does it no and you are going to pay oh yeah money for yeah. that yeah. you know money but you can go and buy I can go and buy a really nice handmade artisan goat's cheese mm. Lewis Market on a Saturday morning if I want to. No yeah. problem at all. Yeah. Cost me, I don't know what, I know I'll do what it costs. Six not, quid or seven quid. I should think at least that, yeah. But, you know, <clears> you're getting <throat> on for what you're paying for your meat but, anyway. But then when I look at what it costs me to make it, fair play. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, one thing I would perhaps, maybe this would be a nice thing for people to do, would be to find a cheese from your area and post mm. it on the on the, on the the page mm. because I'll... I'll Cheese is one of my most favourite things in the world, yeah, without yeah. shadow of a doubt. And I know that there are a couple of local producers to me, and I um, it would be nice for me to go in my deli and have a look and 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 have it as it you know as a treat instead of a bottle of wine even. Well, something even I can do because there's plenty of local goats <coughs> and sheep's cheeses mm. around. Burwash Beauty, there's one. Called, is there? Is there? There's one called Bur. I live in a village called Burwash Common, which is next to Burwash, and um, there's one called Burwash Beauty, and it's washed in rose petal water oh so it's like a brie yeah but it's got a pink glow on the outside okay. nice yeah it's absolutely stunning yeah i don't know where it's made but no. it's got to be made pretty local yeah, well you imagine so yeah so it's, it used to be i don't know if the golden cross one's still going yeah but for a while that was available in some of the local supermarkets yeah. even that was the nice yeah like you, Chevron you, log, that was. But you you've got uh middle farms yes oh yeah uh, you know yeah, they, they've they, got a Jersey herd there yeah, well they, they used to have I don't yeah, know. But the Jersey herd's not a lot of use to me mate, no. but they do have lots of goats and sheep's yeah. cheeses in there as well and there are plenty like Duddleswell which is not very far away from Dud here Duddleswell is a cheese and <coughs> Sussex Slip Cop that's yeah. another one isn't it yeah so there's plenty of choice for me I'd probably just go to a good deli the good deli where you live oh really it's a very good delicatessen in Heathfield High Street there's, there's some Italian delicatessens oh, where I live a couple of them actually not far away but probably, no not they might be making ones. their own cheese 
That'd be serious, wouldn't it? Worth checking out. Yeah, I know there's one, there's, one, there's, <laughs> there's one in the most unlikely of places in an industrial estate in Newhaven near the port. Yeah. And it's a, a Sicilian oh. deli. And they import it all from Sicily. Wow. And I mean, it's, it's magnificent in there. Don't get me wrong, but Quite it's, a uh, it's not local. Say that. Well, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try and find a local cheese, mm. but I know that people have posted on the Facebook page about cheeses they've made at home and mm. tips and tricks and mm. stuff like that. And you know, I've gone as far as like you know, kind of um, cottage cheese, and then yeah. letting it drip out overnight. Yeah, and having something a bit more flavoursome. But the next step for me would be to learn how to press it and try and make a cheddar style. Really, that's what I'd be interested in. Yeah. The cheddar style is quite a bit of work, I think. I've looked into that before. Mm. It's more about the, the, the method and the process than it is about the ingredients mm. to get it from being you know one thing to being another. Yeah, and don't get but me it's wrong. It's quite a bit of work to get cheddar. You, you, you need a lot of milk to make a lot, a lot of, milk. of cheese. And also because need... that's what cheese used to be, <coughs> a way yeah. of preserving milk. And, and realistically, what you need actually is a really like sterile environment. Yeah, I'm so ideally, never. Yeah, really yeah. Make. <laughs> yeah you, you, I, mean, I can tell you something. We ain't making it in here. No, no, yeah, no, no. That is for sure. That is for sure. Oh dear. I looked out of that window. See, what I think there's some blue cheese on it. Is it? <laughs> well, I tell you what. I tell you, there's one that everyone could be doing. Right, is you get yourself a, a liter to a liter to a liter and a half of yogurt yeah. and make the labney that I made. Yeah, that was because that just needs some yogurt. And a cheesecloth and a bit of salt. Yeah, that was and really you are good. Business. That was really you know, good. It's mate. really I, tasty. I that. Great on some crackers. You can flavour it with chives or whatever you want to flavour it with, yeah. and then put that on your crackers or oh, whatever. Definitely, I was laughing. all over that. I thought that was delicious. Yeah. So yeah. maybe get that recipe out. And I, I, I do like cottage cheese. Mm. You know, and I think that if you're willing to let your cottage cheese drain overnight mm. in a in a muslin or a cheesecloth, it mm. makes quite a firm, not firm, but it's you know, mm. it's just very fresh, isn't it? It yes. doesn't have a lot of a developed flavour. No, but you might. Just want to add some salt and black pepper, and then yeah. it suddenly turns it into something. You know, you could put garlic through it, couldn't yeah. you? Or chives, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, anything like that, just to give it a bit of extra flavour. Which is that's that's really simple. Though. That could be done. You know, and I did. I'd made ricotta with my way. Yeah, and so well. would would because I know that when I first made um, cottage cheese, I'm going to call mm. it. Um, I I it was it was expensive because I went to buy rennet yeah. from a health food shop. Yeah. But you can make it with lemon juice, can't you? You can. You can make it with white vinegar as well. Oh, right. so, so any acid basically yeah. will make will make you a um, like a curd cheese, a basic okay. curd cheese. So yeah. I, you know, would bottled lemon juice work? I should think that's so. That's what I've got. Yeah. So yeah. I used white vinegar and I made mine because that's what I had. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna at least do one of them. Mm. You know, and then I might look at extending that. So if I can make a if I can make a cottage or a curd cheese mm. then what I'm going to try and do then is take it to the next level you're going to love this out mm. I've got some flour I've got some eggs I'm going to make some pasta in my pasta machine and make some little tortellini oh, or something mate. like that you know me I'm all uh, over that a little, I'm bit all of, over a little bit of that with some chopped, chopped yeah. herbs in it yeah. see that then takes it to the next yeah. level for me or learn how to make a good sauce out of it yeah. you know like to, to then yeah. toss your pasta through so for those people that are listening that are like what, what they're talking about, when you if you introduce acid into milk, it will cause it to curdle. Yeah. Obviously then it separates into curds, which is the solid bits and the fat, I suppose, in the milk, isn't it? Yeah. And the whey, which is kind of the watery stuff. Yeah. yeah? Um and obviously by introducing the acid you can get into split, which will then cause you can make basic curd cheeses from that. So yeah. that you can then hang that and the whey will come out and you'll end up with kind of a thicker version of the milk, 
which ultimately eventually is like a cheese, isn't it? If yeah. you hang it for long enough, it ends, yeah. up, ends up being something you could almost cut, certainly spoon. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if you hang it in a, in a muslin up overnight, yeah. a, a lot comes out. And it's almost like a little mozzarella ball, isn't it? Yes. That's so, what it comes yeah. out. Like. So I, I would do that, like the lavender that I do, you hang it for 24 hours. Oh, so, right, right. Yeah. Well, so I literally just put some yogurt and some salt in a cheesecloth yeah. and hang it up for 24 hours. Right. All the whey comes out. And then you're left with this kind of solid yogurt almost. Yeah. But it's really tasty. It's just delicious. Really, it was lovely. Really tangy those, and lovely. On yeah. those um, sourdough crackers yeah. you made, it was lovely. Yeah. Right. It'd be nice to then learn how to take that and take it through to the cooking side. Mm. So I might make some pasta. Because I haven't made any for ages pasta, fresh yeah. pasta. Not yeah. sheets like no. that in my little hand pasta maker. I love doing that. It's such a nice thing to do. It is, isn't it? And it's yeah. not actually very hard. It's really very straightforward. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's some, one thing I have got at the moment is a lot of eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so have I. My chickens have decided now's the time to start laying, like yeah. almost one a day each, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear how, how people are preserving their eggs. It's not it's something I've never looked into doing. Water glassing, yeah, icing glassing. Yeah, um, I've never done it. Yeah, um, and so I'd be quite quite keen to learn how to do it. I've oh. heard of people even just, just vaseline in their eggs. Okay, in a cool place. Yeah. Um, and obviously you can freeze them and stuff like that. I, you know, I've got this dehydrator sitting at work. Yeah. You know, powdered eggs. People people make powdered eggs. Yeah. It's just yeah. scrambled eggs in a dehydrator. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is all it is. <coughs> and then you, I mean, obviously you use that in very specific yeah. ways, but worth trying. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I, I frozen mine. I sort of would freeze yeah. half a dozen at a time. And stick them in the freezer. And Not in the shell. Can I no, just get no, that no, out no, there? No, no. <laughs> and also, it's important when you do that to whisk them up because the yolks and the whites need to be mixed. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't. They don't do so well. Um, but that's perfect for making cakes. cakes you make a reasonable scrambled egg out of it. Probably an omelette. Yeah, an omelet. Omelet. yeah. Make a re- you know they're reasonable. They're not you know, again not the same quality as the fresh. No, but, but still decent enough. You know, and if you've got that glut of eggs, yeah. it might but I'm be... struggling, mate, because my chest freezer is rammed. Yeah, mine is as well. So I've got no freezer space anywhere, pretty much. But and I was saying this to someone today, it's really nice now because I look outside, and there aren't any beans. No, there aren't any sweet. No, and there aren't any tomatoes. And there aren't any courgettes. But there is a piece. Now I'm not someone who likes to eat those things every week out of season anyway. No, but there's some little tastes of summer now in my mm-hmm. freezer. Yeah. Which, which will see me through if I don't have a huge power cut, yeah. and and there is a certain amount of uh, warmth in that feeling, yeah. knowing that you've got some stuff put by, and and the, there's a lot of tomatoes in my freezer. So I had a lot of tomatoes in my freezer, but as you know, I made them into passata. What am I going to do with twenty kilos of green tomatoes? Though? That's what I want to know because I reckon that's probably what there is in that crate. That's a lot of chutney. <laughs> I ain't making chutney out of it. Green tomato woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, I, I, I'm just. I think I might just leave them to ripen. See, see it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I I'll think. Be I'm doing. Not, I'm, if I you think they'll ripen, there's no reason I know why ripen. I wouldn't because you, otherwise you're just going to buy tomatoes every week. I right? know they're ripen. They won't taste as good as they do fresh from the vine, mm. but I know they're ripen. They'll taste better than the cheap ones you buy in the shop. Absolutely. Um, and what I might do is ripen them slowly and then freeze them as they come ripe. Yeah. You'll eat them though, won't you? We'll eat a lot of them, but the ones that I don't eat, I just turn into sauce and freeze. Yeah. Like turn into what I tend to do is the big batch of passata, which I preserve and jar and yeah. and can. Here's saying about passata, I'd like. Go on, to go on. Listen, I know I'm lazy, right? I can't be bothered <laughs> with getting the skins off tomatoes. <clears throat> I can't be bothered with it. Right, it just does my head in. So do you reckon I could just blitz them all up, skin and all? So, so right. 
So yes. I've got I've got bags of frozen tomatoes. Now I know that when I defrost them, I'll probably just be able to pinch the skins off a lot of them you anyway. Will, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when when I've got like I'm going to pick all the ones from off the vines over the next few days. I've got so many. I can't be bothered with having a big thing there and sticking them in there and taking the skins off. Right. So, so I'm just going to blitz them all up. Okay. So <laughs> when when I do this, and I've done this a few different ways yeah. now over the years, right? And and I bought this machine that's supposed to be for making passata. Yeah. What a waste of time. Right. What I've learned is that you're exactly right. When you defrost those tomatoes, the skins yeah. will start to come off anyway. Yeah. But frankly, what a faff. Yeah. If I've got like as I had 20 kilos 20 kilos of tomatoes <laughs> I am not sitting there waiting for them to defrost and pulling off right. one skin at a so time so you put them right? all in a big pot so I put them all in a big pot as the first flush of the water from those tomatoes start to come off I poured that off right. so that's not sitting there I haven't got, def- got to boil that off later right, I just okay. poured off and then I got my stick blender yeah. and I blitzed the that's whole lot down do, and then rather than putting it through the, the machine I put it all through the sieve with the back of a ladle now it takes a while doing that, yeah. but it's still quicker than the machine, yeah. um, and it's just as efficient. And that removes the pith. It takes the... the so all of the like the because the skin doesn't even with the stick blend doesn't get small enough that it won't go through the it goes through the sieve. Oh really? No, it doesn't go through the sieve. So, all right. So, right. So you know when I get a thing of a tin of tomatoes mm. and it won't have the skin on them. Yes. But sometimes there is some skin on them, isn't it? Yes, there is. Yeah. But usually done less, less ripe ones. But yeah. all the pips and everything, are, you just put them in. You just have them. You yeah. have them in the dish, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So you're talking about making like a smooth passata with yeah. nothing like, in you it. You know, like when you buy that nice jar of passata? No, Al, because I just have okay. cheap chopped when tomatoes you buy, in a tin. <clears throat> so when you buy that cheap tetra pack of passata, <laughs> which costs about the same as a tin of tomatoes because they use yeah. the cheaper, like yeah. the not so well graded tomatoes for that. Yeah. All right. When you buy that, that's what I make. I make it with fresh homegrown tomatoes, yeah, so, so it's that thick, yeah. like really deep red, and it's actually really quite sweet as well now. So I've got that tartness of the. But if I was literally to get my tomatoes off the plant, yes, and blitz them, yes, cook them and blitz them, it'll still be great, won't it? It will. What you'll get then is lots of you get all the seeds and the I don't skin, mind all that. which if you don't mind, is fine. No. And I often don't mind that, but for some recipes, it's nice. What you're going to do? Okay. And I try and persuade my wife, and she's not great at this. So I hope she doesn't listen to this one. But she'll use that passata in things where it's not necessary. It needs to be a star ingredient for me because oh, okay. it's a high-value product. You know, it's yeah. like there's it, a lot of effort gone into producing energy, that yeah. from from the seed to getting that jar of passata. Mm. And I got from 20 kilos of tomatoes like 14 jars of yeah, passata. So, so it's a really premium product for me. Yeah. So that needs to be when you're talking about your pasta. Yeah. I'm going to do like some garlic. Yeah. I'm going to do maybe a bit of chili some passata and some homemade pasta and that is a dinner fit for yeah. a king, right? So, but in a Tuscan bean maybe. stew that's going on for all day, waste of time. Just smash them in, mate. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just put in. your cheap tomatoes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, no, they're not going to be cheap tomatoes. Wait, but you're not going to be whatever you're not going to be processed yeah. to yeah. such a high degree. Yeah. yeah. So what that gonna... that needs to shine. That that passata <clears> needs to shine. Whereas if you're going to just like cook it with loads of other flavors, uh, yeah, it still improves the quality of the dish. But there's a limited amount I've got. Yeah. If I had loads of it, then yeah, of course, use it. But so me, I don't need to peel almost. I wouldn't almost. worry. And in fact, what I was going to say was that for those ones that I get now, because I've got a few still in the freezer from before, mm. I've got quite a few plum tomatoes which will ripen between now and Christmas, but it'll take a bit of time. They'll go in the freezer. What I probably will make is freezer passata, yeah, which is exactly that. Yeah, that's right. Kind of, so that's kind of my kind of passata. Cook it up, blitz it, blitz it, cook it down a bit to yeah, thicken it. Yeah. 
take a load of the moisture out, but then freeze it. Yeah, that's what. I'm and then I'll just put it in like like um, takeaway trays and put it in the freezer. Pull one but of those the, out. For and, time and, time. But the other side of me is that I'll prob- I'm probably more likely to get a bag of frozen whole tomatoes out. Yeah. And use them. I'm not going to make a whole batch bazaar. I'm just going to use them bit by bit. I know that's probably what I'm going to do. And it will be. I'm going to reach for a bag yeah. of frozen courgette, and I'm going to reach for a bag of frozen tomatoes. Yeah. I'm going to put them in a pan. Yeah. Get them going till they start to defrost. Yeah. Blitz them and then yeah. add them to whatever I'm making. Yeah. That's, that's the only problem you're going to have with that recipe is someone who you know you know yourself. You cook a lot. There's going to be a lot of water in that. Yeah, it would take a while. So to... it might be almost you need to put it in the oven for an hour or two or whatever. Yeah, or cook it down. But or... whatever I, yeah, but whatever I use that for, I would have been putting moisture in it. So I'll just mm, compensate. Maybe. Yeah. Because if I was doing that bean stew, tuscan mm. bean stew in it, that would have had some stock in it. Okay. Right. If I was going to make a, a venison stew, mm. that would have had some stock in it. Yeah. So I'll just compensate yeah. for the for the um, use of the vegetables. So, yeah. I mean, it, it should work all right. I'm going to give it a go anyway. Mm. And I've got all of these vegetables. One thing that I don't like is when people don't use what they've frozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go in there four years later and there's some veg- vegetables in there and they think, nah, just throw it that way. Yeah. So use what you've got. Yeah, absolutely. You know, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how we do all of this and then we still go out and buy it. Um, some fresh Kenyan green beans all the time well, no, I don't buy green beans to be fair but all the time but you know what I mean yeah, yeah. let's try and use what yeah. we've got even yeah. though it's a bit being a bit more organised Yeah. anyway I think we're going to stop in a bit because yeah. I want to talk about alcohol okay alright okay <laughs> alright so we'll take a quick break there Mike wants to get boozed up I want to talk about to get booze. leather tonight booze. so we'll come back and talk about booze <laughs> Okay, and we're back, and Mike is very, very excited. He wants to talk about booze. Mate, it's great, isn't it? Booze. Yeah, <laughs> no. go on, go on. Well, yeah, it is, but go on. Well, I think like a lot of people who have done homesteading or, you know, home, you know, growing things and have allotments, they've probably dabbled in homebrew a bit, as have I. Yep. And you've probably done way more brewing than me over the last couple of years, but I think that what happened was I had probably one really one lot that didn't work out and then I was I had all the kit and it was taking up loads of room and I was having to clear out so I just got rid of all my stuff yeah and it and it and, it, and I think more than anything it was the disappointment of, of waiting for six seven weeks for a for a beer brew and then it not not coming out okay and mm. stuff like that and so I kind of just like jacked it in and then didn't do it and then didn't do it because it's probably actually been about four years five years since I've done a beer yeah it's probably been so a I, long time I've not done many beers over the years but yeah. I've done a lot of wine yeah I used to do a lot of ginger beer as well. Yeah. I call it ginger beer. Yeah, you did. I've not done like beer beer yeah. for probably maybe 20 years. Yeah. And what I want to make, because I know that there's some really, really good beer makers on our Facebook page. Yeah. We're talking about a kit beer. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And the difference between that is that we're not making the malt extracts. That's what that's what we're buying in a tin mm-hmm. is is the malt, mm-hmm. you know, um, which looks like treacle basically. Yeah. And it's so, so it's a tinned kit beer. And some people then just use that as a base and muck around. They do their own hopping or dry hopping or spray mm. malting. There are loads of different ways of it. But you can go out and you can buy a ready-to-make kit for a quite reasonable price. And I think that if, you, if you're careful and you follow it very closely, and I think you can get a very, very good pint out of it. I always used to get very good, reliable beer. Mm. And I drink bitter or ale. Um, and I used to get something which was comparable to what I was getting in my yeah. local pub. Right. Without shadow of a doubt. Yeah. It took a while to get to that mm. stage, though. Um, and it took a while to find the right kit. Mm. 
and I was using, I don't mind saying, I was using Woodford's Wherry. And that is, I think that's quite well known as being quite a good kit. It's mm. quite expensive now. Yeah. Um, you're looking at £22 for that kit. But that makes 40 pints? 40 pints of beer, which currently would cost you probably in the region of £85 to buy, £80, £85. Yeah. If you were going to go to a pub. Oh, to a pub, a lot more than that. 40 oh, pints. No. Yeah, sorry. Times by about five it. minimum, maybe yeah, six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, five or six pound a pint. If you go to the supermarket, you get a, a pint for a couple of quid. Yeah, less than that. Might yeah, a bit less maybe, that. yeah. But So that side of it is obviously appealing. <laughs> but it's also a great hobby. Mm. It's a great hobby. And I think that if you can find a few people... Who are, who are interested in it and doing it, like mm. you and I are going to do it. Yeah, It's a great thing to share, isn't it? And chat. Well, it'd be nice to get together and try each other's beer. That's for I mean. sure. Yeah. 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 Get three or four people yeah. who, who yeah. want to do it and then and then try. So, <clears throat> so we're also lucky in the UK to have some different outlets, aren't we, which sell the kit and stuff like that. Yeah. But going back to something we've touched on many times in this podcast is that homebrew is something which seems to go in and out of favour. You know, it peaks mm. and troughs. And it wouldn't surprise me now with the with the current, you know, um, energy crisis and the cost of living crisis that people are in, encountering here is that it will probably become quite uh, quite quite fashionable again to yeah. try and brew your own beer yeah. because it's 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 not it's not it's not cheap, is it? Well, I know I know that if I go over to the supermarket, I can get three half liter bottles of one of the like an IPA, which I might drink, or a lager. Mm. For about five or six quid, yeah. And I think the lagers now, the bigger bottles are six sixty milliliter bottles of lager, about two for yeah. four pound twenty, maybe yeah. something like that, in my local my local shop. So when you think about it like that, fifty p a pint versus two pound a pint, or just over two pound a pint, yeah, seems pretty reasonable to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Straight away, if you can get decent quality product, yeah, I totally and utterly agree. And and I know as a as an ale or bitter drinker, well, I can actually get a much cheaper pint than that through Tesco's. I can yeah. get a very reasonable bottle of beer by Banks. Oh, yeah, Banks. Bitter, yeah, which is made by Marston's. Yeah. And that's 89p still. Wow. And it's great. Yeah. It's a great session beer. It's about 3.9%. Mm. And it's what I have most weeks. It's yeah. really nice. And, yeah. you know, when you think that you could, for a tenner, you could have 10 bottles of that, yeah. 11. Yeah, you know, or yeah. two pints in a pub. I mean, there's no <coughs> yeah. competition, no, is there? No. And no. I mean, this does, you know, this isn't. We're not supposed to be getting too political, but it is. If you're a pub owner at the moment in the UK, it's getting battered, and yeah, it's every which way you look at it, unbelievable. And I've been for a few years now, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, getting back to what we're doing is that I don't claim to know a lot about brewing and the ins and outs of it and things like that. But if you go onto Facebook, you will find that people sell their kits quite often, or boot fair, or your local recycle mm-hmm. plant. Or, do you know what? It's the sort of thing that if people know you do it, it sort of magically turns up at your house. Well, uh, most of what you've got has magically turned up from yeah. people that have given it to me. Or I've got another friend of mine who wants to get rid of some stuff. You know, some, I know someone who wants yeah. to get rid of some stuff. And I said, before we chuck it away, do you want it? I'm like, yeah. what yes, is it? You. Yeah, I'll have it. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, I'll deal with it. I'll, and so, you know, you know from wanting to do it to doing it, I haven't actually bought any kit. And you know, obviously, you're very, very kindly giving me some bits and pieces. Mm. If I was going to buy it all, it would probably cost me fifty pound. Oh yeah, yeah, about fifty yeah. quid. Um, but honestly, 
get onto Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. And you don't actually need a lot if you're going to do it the way I'm doing it. So I'm going to use a fermentation bin, which is just a giant plastic bin. Mm -hmm. Any giant plastic food grade bin would do. Yeah. And I'm using a barrel, a pressure barrel. So yeah. that's just like a little, like a keg yeah. that holds 40 points. That's definitely the cheapest way of doing it. Yeah. Um, and certainly probably the most simplest if you can get it to go. Yeah, so. whereas I will probably bottle mine. I've got a little crown capper. Yeah. So I put my own little crown caps on. But I've also got some of the... And, you get, and you've got four, well. 40 new bottles a week, haven't you, Al? Well, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair... The way, the way you lash back the beer, you get 40, 40 fresh bottles a week. Like a milk, but didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did have a big clear out a few years ago, so I'm not sure how many I've got, so I might have to go back bottle the, uh, barrel this time, but... It wouldn't take long, would it? No. If you, yeah, you know, say you, I'd, I'd probably drink two or three of those bottled beers a week, maybe. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it wouldn't take me long to save up 40 bottles. And we know? have two a week, at, yeah, two or three a week, and they're all the yeah. same, which is nice, yeah. yeah. We have had that Banks beer for a long time, yeah. So, yeah. so with, it wouldn't take long to save them, and, and that's the other good thing is that you know, like when you do homemade wine or homemade mm. beer with a bit of foresight, you can actually mm. make some savings by recycling things rather than yeah. having to buy them new. Yeah, there's no need, is there? You know, speaking of which, if you've got any any screw cap wine bottles going, I'll have them. screw cap, Ooh. screw cap wine. What bottles. do you want to use them for? Can you reuse it? Elderberry wine, yeah. Could you can you use screw cap again? Because I always thought that you couldn't use screw cap wine well, bottles again. Because I didn't think that the seal would be very good. No, the seal's perfectly good enough. The only thing you have to watch out for is often they're waxed on the inside of the lids. Yeah. So I wouldn't use heat to sterilise them. So if I was going to make some wine, could I just use screw tap bottles? That's bottle? what I do. Oh, that's interesting. Because I always thought I'd have to cork it and get no, over it. It's quite hard to get cork bottles now. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't oh, I play around with that. I, so I all, all my elderberry wine is stored in um, screw cap bottles. And I had some that was stored for like seven or eight years. Mm, I just left outside fine. even. And it was great. It was absolutely fine. Yeah, well, well so, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely... I know, yeah, no, I'm going to I don't actually drink wine, everyone, but Don't drink wine, though, mate. No. I only oh. drink... Well, I drink, I drink a bottle of... I've gone up... I'm not buying it now, because no. I'm making beer. Well, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was drinking... <clears throat> we were drinking a bottle of wine a week between us, and mm. um, but I always have corked wine, because yeah. I have caught the Rhone, which don't okay. come in a yeah. uh, cat's bottle. yeah. I have to get some dirt cheap Merlot out. Yeah, like that so yeah. Any, any, well, yeah. Alan needs the bottles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Why sorry, have we got dear. 40 bottles of wine, darling? <laughs> Alan needs the bottles. You've just got to drink it. I seriously do need about, yeah, a lot of bottles. Really? Good 30 bottles, probably. Oh, yeah. I'll, have, I'll have a word with my employer. Yeah. I drink a lot of wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone got any screw cap bottles? Oh, get down the ball bank, mate. Well, that's what I do. Yeah, just, yeah. People are chucking them out rather than You, you need out. someone who's having a wedding or a party, really. Well, you get all the nice same ones, well, anyway. Well, I just asked my cousin who works in the pub. That's yeah, probably the best that, way to go. That's that, probably do it, that, that, that actually solved the Just ask them for wine, mate. Don't mind the bottles. No, it's only one of the bottles. I don't want the wine. So, anyway. Um, my, my fermenting has taken three approaches. Okay. Right? So, one of them's not <clears> fermenting, strictly <throat> speaking. But um, I'm doing a kit beer. And my kit beer was £12, so I've got quite a reasonably priced one, nice. and I'm making a stout. Yeah. So I don't know how it's going to come out. I've done the primary fermentation where you put yeah. it in and um, you add the sugar and just let it sit on the yeast, and that takes yeah. about between 7 and 14 days. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then it will go from there into the pressure barrel, and I'll probably do that tomorrow. Right, okay. So mine, I started yesterday. I'm doing an IPA, and that cost me 15 quid because you very kindly got it for mm. me from Wilco's. And that went into the primary fermentation yesterday. Mm -hmm. What I liked about it was that unlike many of the things that I do, using the kit, obviously most of the things I do are different scratch, mm. having the kit made it so straightforward. It's literally it all there. It was so nice. It was so nice. Like, just pour it in, 
pour some water in, chuck some sugar in, let it make sure it's at a reasonable temperature, put the yeast in. Done. And then put the airlock on the top, jobs are good. And, it is done, yeah, isn't it? It's great. And I think that one thing you have to be aware of with some homebrew, and I would I would really recommend people doing this, is that it will say it's ready in about 20 days or something, mm. but it, it isn't, it no. won't be. The primary fermentation will take up to two weeks. Mm. And then that secondary bit where you're clearing it in effect. Yeah. I mean, I think that leads at least a month. Mm. And I would be looking at five or six weeks. Yeah. So you've got to be patient with it. But yeah. it is something that where, you know, if you get one or two good ones on the go, I'm going to try and get two mm. um, kegs so that I can have one brewing while I'm drinking. And yeah. then I'm going to get into a nice little cycle with it. Mm. And I'm going to just try and see how it goes. Mm. Um, I'm lucky in that my wife drinks beer. Yeah. We, we both drink beer. Yeah. And I think if it was just me drinking 40 pints I think it would be quite a lot which is why I'm going to bottle mine because it's mostly yeah. me Tanner yeah. drink the occasional one but yeah. not very much no. No. she'd probably drink actually the occasional half of one no. whereas I'll be drinking most of that we'll just have to podcast around yours out <laughs> Drinking beer, that. drinking beer. Oh dear, what a joke. You might have to stay over. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be <clears throat> um, unfortunate, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but it would be nice to, um, to to get it and get it right. And like a lot of things, like the bread that I make and the cakes that I've been making recently, I don't need a lot of variety. I just want one that comes out with some nice consistency mm. and that I can rely on a little bit. Yeah, every mm. now and then you might have you know, something that goes wrong because the tin wasn't great or, yeah, yeah. or you might have a problem with some yeast bacteria or something mm. like that. And, you know, you've got to accept that as part mm. of it. It's the same with anything. But yeah. just having that consistency, I think, would be all I'm looking for. Mm. And, you know, a nice, decent 4% pint of bitter for me, which has got a good taste. That's all I'm after. I think, I think consistency comes from, some of it can come from just repeating the same yeah. process over and over. And a bit like when you cook now and you know recipes in your head, you don't have to look in the book mm. anymore. Mm you're less likely to make mistakes yeah. the more familiar you are with the recipe. I think you're right. I do think you're right. And I also think that, you know, you've got, you can't <laughs> cut corners with brewing. I would imagine like cheese making, you do have to be quite scrupulous. You really need to be yeah. scrupulous with the clean. Yeah, you, you can't mess around with sterilisation. That needs to be done properly. Absolutely. And there's various different ways of sterilising, depending on what you're sterilising. Yeah. But I would recommend that people get on online and buy a big tub of VWP sterilising powder. Yeah which is the, by far and away the cheapest way I've found mm. of doing it. And it's very effective, particularly for big plastic barrels. Yeah, like, yeah. Because you just mix it with water, fill it up, leave it for an hour, and then everything's sterile. And what you can then do is just dunk everything else in there and leave it yeah, in there. Yeah, all your airlocks. And yeah, your everything just sits in there. Yeah, the whole thing. And it all comes out clean, and then you're laughing. You just crack on then at that point. Um, and that just takes a lot of the effort out of it. You can do things in the oven if they're suitable material, but you've got to put a plastic barrel in the oven. It won't fit, even if it was desirable. It just melt it, wouldn't it? Really um, <clears throat> so that's a really quick way, quick and easy way of doing it. And then you're laughing, but you can't afford to no, not sterilise. Right. You're so, asking for trouble. So, you know, I know that there are people out there probably doing that. Yep. Um, but just just going into your local Wilco's, Wilco's is very good, or online, but Wilco's did have a limited supply, but then you found a place which had got a good supply. So... I'm quite glad that... I don't know what the quality's like. It's yeah, the well, thing. they were Youngs. Yeah, Youngs. Uh, and Youngs make a lot of their brewing equipment. They do. Most so, of the brewing equipment yeah. you get these days. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine that they're absolutely fine. Mm. Um, like I say, I've only ever really used that Woodford's Wherry. Mm. And this time I'm using a Wilco's kit myself. Yeah. So a bit, But there is uh, so much information out there on them. You mm. know, the one that I was looking at had a good write-up. Did it? Had a really good write-up. Yeah. And then there's also loads of people saying... What they did to 
pimp it up or, oh, okay. or to or to do things differently yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's always good to start with the base recipe and yeah. see what happens. So you're doing the Wilco IPA, I'm yeah. doing a Wilco Stout, yeah. and let's just see what they come out like. And, mm. um, and if they're half decent, it will be something that I can't see me not doing. Right, if they're half decent, I'm going to have to get a load of my bottles. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to have two or three different ones. Yeah, definitely nice. To have just sitting in the bottle there for, you yeah. know. Yeah. But the thing is, like, you know, there's a few friends I've got that come round. Mm. We'll probably smash through a third of that for the point. Easy yeah. in an evening, you know. So it would, and then save us going out and buying loads. If, if we like the beer, and that's why would you thing, go and buy it? a beer? I think that you've got to like it. If it's Even if it's not that nice but drinkable, mm. That's not the same, no. you know. It's got to be pleasurable, hasn't yeah, it? And yeah. so, I'm willing for the sake of fifteen quid to to take that as a yeah, pun, yeah. you know. I'm willing not to go to the pub one night and have four pints yeah. to get this right, yeah. if that makes sense. So, yeah. I'm going to be doing that, and and I will try and get it right. So that's the first one. The second one I've been doing is I've made some cider. Oh, out okay, just, yeah, yeah. Out of yeah. Just fermented apple juice, and that is probably the, that's the easiest thing ever to make. Isn't yeah, it? just get some juice. Yeah. You don't even put anything with it. It's just no, doing. No. So that's happening. I've also made some old-fashioned country wine where you steep fruit in water. Yeah. And I actually have made apple wine because that's what I had for yeah. free. And then you strain it, mix it with sugar and yeast, mm. a bit of lemon juice. So I've got apple wine on the go as well. So I've got these three different sorts mm. of fermenting happening. Nice. I'd like to do some more cider because I never have enough yeah and i like it and i think it's it's very seasonal it's very um annual sort of um you know sometimes you get a good one sometimes yeah, not great yeah, and yeah. i quite like that and it'd be interesting to see what happens we have such a weird weather yeah. year this year it'd be interesting to see what it's like i think the um, it's a little ritual i like to do it yourself as well yeah, so we've done a bit of, i've done a bit of juicing at work and the the brownly the sort of rosy colored brownly that we often yeah. use is very very dry this yeah. year yeah. Very dry, but you, you know, there's no surprises. The fruits are not that big. No. But anyway, we'll yeah. do some of that. We'll do some. And then the other thing that I will definitely make some of this year is I want to make some slow gin, and I haven't done that for a few years okay. either. Um, and that's something maybe we'll talk about, but you'd want to be, you really want to frost on them, mm. but if you want it for Christmas, it needs to have long enough in the jar. Yeah, you put them in the freezer and solve that problem. You could do, yeah. But I would say that I'll be having a frost before the end of October anyway. Yeah. And then I've still got two months in the jar. So, yeah. but I mean, you can keep you can keep it for years. Mate, in the jar, I've got I've literally got them lined up on my shelf in the pantry, like yeah. 2018 with the fruit still in. No, no, no yeah, no. But like. I don't know, five, five years of the last six I've made it and yeah. we don't drink that much of it. Yeah. I, so I make a litre at a time. Is that slow yeah. gin or slow vodka? Slow gin. Yeah, I quite like slow vodka actually. Oh, I don't drink vodka. Yeah. <laughs> I don't drink vodka Vodka either, and I slow, don't get on very well. Slow vodka, <laughs> totally different. So slow gin is something I'm going to do. So what I will be looking for is the cheapest vodka, uh, gin I can find. <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah. know where that is, but... I'll be I'll be looking in the yeah. Asda or something like yeah, that, yeah, looking yeah. for the cheap. Mind you, Audi probably be pretty cheap, wouldn't it? What's probably, that like for yeah. booze? It's You'll be in there bad. Saturday. Have a look. I'll have a look. Yeah, I don't imagine it'd be much different to the other supermarkets. The booze in there is pretty similar, I think. Yeah. So, so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one of those this year, and I'm probably the only one who'll drink that. But mm. I do like Slowbooker. I've got my I've got Slowbooker. a hip flask with some in. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally gets taken out on a walk, especially uh, if it's cold. Oh, mate, it's yeah. not often cold enough anymore, though. No, right, it's man. lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lovely thing to have. Yeah, a little nip when you're walking the dog in the chill, you know? Warm you up. Alcoholic. Warm you up from the inside out. <laughs> so, we're looking at some steeped alcohol. 
um, there. A very nice presents to give as well, by the way. That is lovely. I, I received some from my friend Mark, who you know, uh, Christmas before last, I think. That was absolutely lovely. Like yeah, just like lovely. I think he yeah, did a raspberry gin and Ooh, a, yeah, a nice. limoncello as well, which was really good. Wow. A lot of Serious. limoncello. Yeah. You know, Very buying nice. some of those nice little kilner um glass hip flasks and mm. giving them out as yeah. gifts is really lovely, isn't yeah. it? So yeah, so we're looking at doing a beer kit and it'd be mm -hmm. great if people wanted to jump on board with that yeah. and see see what they could get out. Um and I'm doing a, a country style wine which is steeped fruit. Um, then which you then yeast which is a similar idea to the elderberry that I've already done that's yeah. kind of the same the Absolutely. same process just yeah. different fruit probably um, and then <clears throat> a cider which is a fermented juice and then a, a sort of steeped yeah. steep, something steeped in alcohol so mm. it's, you know it's not something that I'm not a great drinker that's the mm. other thing you know yeah. is that yeah. we don't drink a lot in our home right. um, and never have but it's a great hobby as well as the as well as the product the process is it's a nice thing and it's timeless isn't it absolutely timeless. What, what i like about it is you can produce some pretty decent product yeah. you can't really go and buy no no you can't um, can you you know I, I know places where i can buy country wines and i can go and buy it like a damson wine or whatever yeah. um <clears throat> and there's places that sell it of course there are but you can't quite get that same product no. as you can make which is no. really nice and what i also like is that i don't necessarily just drink it as alcohol no. So the cider quite often gets made into vinegar. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. I wonder if I could turn the beer into malt vinegar. Yeah, of course you could. That's you exactly know. what it is. Yeah. If, it, if so, you had a bad batch. <coughs> bad batch, you know. Bosh if it. I don't like drinking it, well, I've got 40 litres of vinegar. Oh, I'm having it on your, <laughs> having having your chips. Having your chips. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you yeah, I can. <laughs> imagine you know, it right now. Yeah. I mean, how bad can that be? Do you know, so <laughs> worst case that. scenario. And, and I might purposefully make some of it into vinegar. Malt vinegar, yeah. Because why, again, why would I not? I've got this, you know, yeah, I've got 40 pints of it. I don't necessarily need to drink 40 pints of beer. Absolutely. I'll make another batch of beer if I want some more beer. But to make, you know, maybe a gallon or whatever of vinegar. Yeah, which you then use. Which you then use over, over time. Yeah, sounds perfectly know, reasonable to me, mate. Be one way of doing it, using some Absolutely. of it up. Absolutely. You know? And I mean, it, 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 it's just something which is, it's a talking point when you people come around and oh what's that going on mm. and you can get things out and you can try them and stuff like that and um, and you know the the other side of it is is that it can be pretty potent so be careful <laughs> yeah <laughs> be yeah. careful um, yeah do you remember that I, ginger beer I, I used to make I do yeah I do yeah but I never I never seem to get a bad hangover off homebrew. Oh, I've had one or two, but really? yeah, but you drink too much of it, you still get a hangover. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So anyway, tell us some of your brewing tips and tricks. It'd be great, and maybe mm. we'll take a few photos of the various brews on the go and get them up onto um, the Facebook page, which has really seen a lot of traffic over the last really couple good, of months. A lot of new, new people members coming in. every day. Two or three new members. Yeah, so, and lots of them commenting and contributing as well. Yeah, which, which really is good. nice. What I would, what I'm really hoping though, is that people who are coming in. Mm. are actually aware it's a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think that a lot of people are just seeing the homesteading bit, yeah. looking on the line and seeing people are posting yeah. what they're doing. But all of this Facebook page is centred around... Around the fact that we sit and chat nonsense. Yeah. And people somehow <laughs> seem to like listening to it, which amazes me. I have to say, I've missed Sean's input. She's taken a bit of a hiatus. So, yeah. hello, Sean, if you're listening, I know you are. Yeah. Um, I hope you're going well over there in Finland, I think it is, isn't it? Um Obviously, she's missed on the Facebook group. There's lots of other people coming in as well, which is really, really yeah. positive. Nice to see lots lovely, of people. Lovely to see people sharing on there and then talking amongst themselves and, and like photos and ideas and people linking up who live close to each other and yeah. stuff like that. And, yeah. 
and just sharing ideas because that is really what it's all about. Well, it certainly was what it was all about for us starting out, wasn't it? Trying to encourage other people it? to have a go. Instead, I've been I've been asked for some sourdough started by two different people today. Ooh. Yeah, funny, isn't it, how that comes around? Absolutely, mate. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, you're charging them a massive amount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am, yeah. And, and consultancy fee. Yeah. They come out and look yeah. at their starter yeah. though and all that. Yeah, and then there's it? recipe cards as well. Oh, yeah, nice. but I'll be monetising those, you yeah. Got you got it. You got it. <laughs> That's one thing I'd like to learn. So. Is, or even if it's available, I think we've talked about it before, is growing yeast for baking. Mm. Where does that come from? That's what I want to find out. Okay. Baker's yeast. I think the bakers and brewers used to work together in that respect. Mm. But I know obviously brewing yeast is different to baker's yeast. Yes, yeah. And so sourdough doesn't sit in my routine, as you know. Yeah. So I buy yeast. I'd like to know how to make yeast. Well, it used to be you could go into the baker's and ask for a block of yeast and yeah. they give you yeast, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so they must more. have made their own, presumably. Yeah. But I don't expect they do any more because it's too much of a risk. Yeah. So they buy it in. Like, like we talked about the strawberries yeah. the other week. yeah, yeah. They must buy it in. I know, in fact, I know they buy it in because my friend used to work for Tesco yeah. as a baker and he used to occasionally be able to you know, get yeah, a block yeah, yeah. and say, can I buy this? And his boss would be like, yeah, no problem. And whatever, He'd bring it over for me. So I'd like to know how you make yeast. I have no idea. No, I think I'm going to try and look because that would shut that circle for me. Lovely. Yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> Especially if and, it doing... and it can't be that hard, can it? It can't be that hard. No. No, it can't. It probably involves feeding something sugar. I would imagine it's not dissimilar to making like a wet sourdough yeah. which then drops that sediment of yeast at the bottom mm-hmm. that you drain off yeah. and you scrape up yeah. and that's it. Yeah. But then I would imagine you can use that to get a self... Oh, I should think so, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. I would just like to do that rather than the sourdough bit Okay, that I could then take out, use fresh and have another lot still Aren't going you on. almost kind of making sourdough at that point though? No, I don't think so because mm-hmm. the yeast would just hopefully be a product which would look after not look after itself it would still need feeding but it's just a different strain of yeast that I'm using I don't know sure. I don't want to have to keep throwing it away you don't have to throw it away you have to throw some of yours away I don't have to <laughs> oh yeah. make bread every day no just make something else make crackers oh, make right. pancakes make crumpets yeah so I'm, I'm going to look at how you make <clears throat> how you grow yeast yeah I'm not talking about in between your toes out <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're quite good at that to be fair <laughs> if you're ever struggling you can just scrape it out mate oh, just don't like, now. No. that's it that's 10 members gone from Facebook straight away bro 10 that's 10 that's like the listeners have gone down now oh, oh mate we're going to plummet sorry we're gonna plummet down apologies the for the time plummeting down the ratings <laughs> no, I'm sure it must be possible but aren't you just making sourdough at that point and therefore would you not be better off just making sourdough I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. See, I wonder because you know you do that no need recipe. Yeah. I've seen that, that done in bulk in like in like the crisper tray at the, free, at yeah. the fridge, and people would make a batch up, and then they bake a loaf out of it every day. So take some of the dough out, turn yeah. it into a loaf, bake it, done. Right. Yeah. And then over the course of a week, you use up all of the, the batch. Yeah. But could you then use some of the last batch to start the next batch up? That would be great. Wouldn't and it? then you're into you've got your yeah, no need on the dough on go the whole time. Yeah, that would work for me. I mean. The yeast, the yeast isn't expensive, and if I ever got into a situation where I couldn't buy yeast, I would make sourdough. Obviously, yeah, I would, of course, yeah. You know, yeah. I've got enough books and people yeah. I know how to do it, yeah. so I could probably do something, dodge yeah. it up. Yeah. But for me, I like the ingredient. 
and so I'd like to know how to make the mm. ingredient because I also think that you know we do talk about sourdough and how popular sourdough is but I, I think it's a commodity to be able to sell fresh local yeast mm. to people yeah. to yeah. make their own bread yeah. you know yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing you know no. if I'm running a shop and I've and I've got spelt and my own wheat, which I've yeah. milled. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, oh, and here's the yeast I made to go yeah, with yeah. your bread. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. No, it's not a bad shout. And you could then make your own beer as well. Would you use the same yeast to make a beer though? I'm sure, that's a different don't strain know. again. When I when I when I drain the wort off the beer, mm. there's always that big thick yeast at the bottom. Now that is spent yeast, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think it's completely inert. I wonder if, wonder if you could re- revive it with plenty of sugar, probably, in that scenario again. It looks and smells like yeast. Now, it might be yeah. dead yeast cells that drop down. I don't know enough That's, about it. Yeah. Because um, what, what would normally happen in the fermentation process when it stops? If you did it, what you'd have to do is stop it earlier. Because when you've got, you've got your airlock on the top, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's fermenting away, and it either reaches an alcohol content that kills the yeast, yeah. or the yeast runs out of food, sugar, which, yeah. which sugar, which stops it fermenting. Yeah. Yeah. One of whichever of those two things happens first, yeah. prevent, stops the fermentation yeah. going further. It's one of the reasons why the ginger beer was so deadly was because there was so much sugar in it. Yeah, it kept going. <laughs> and and also the, the the if you're using champagne yeast in that, which I often was because I wanted it to to ferment, that goes up to like fifteen percent alcohol, so it could get it could get really yeah, potent. Really yeah? Potent, yeah. Whereas when you're making a beer, I imagine the beer yeast is looking at maybe four to six percent as being the range. Mm-hmm. I should imagine mm-hmm. the, where it survives at. And then if it runs out, but if you stop that process earlier and took that sediment out, presumably it would still, presumably be, viable. It would still be viable. That's how you do it, perhaps. I'll be looking into bread yeast. Yeah, I'm oh, sure there's the people on our Facebook group know the answers to oh, some I'm of these go things. Go and Google it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, go. thank you very much indeed for your time, mate. And thank you very much to everybody for listening to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Homesteading UK podcast. If you have enjoyed what you're listening to and uh, you want to tell your friends about it and just share the, the notion of listening to our podcast, really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to just even get on the Facebook group, tell us what you've been thinking and any, any what you've been you've brewing, thought, what you've been brewing, uh, any other thoughts you've got that come out of it, or even just to drop us a review on there, really appreciate that. Um, it's, it really helps us to sort of drive traffic to the, the podcast and to grow the channel, which is, is you know, is a long term aim of ours. So thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will speak to you again. In, uh, I'm going to buy a big lump of pork now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's going to go a big lump, pile of, 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 of big lump of pork, and we'll speak to you again uh, very shortly, I imagine. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. So thanks very much, everyone, for listening through to the end of another episode of uh, the Urban Homestead and UK podcast. If you've enjoyed what you're listening to, please come and join us on our Facebook group. Uh, you can come find us on Urban Homestead in UK on Facebook. Uh, come and find us on Instagram and uh, all those other good places. Please tell your friends about us and uh, do come and listen again. Thank you. Bye-bye.